0: Well, hello, everybody. Good to see you. And uh, and if you're uh, new to Chase Oaks, really, really glad that you're here. And if you've been at Chase Oaks for a while, of course, we're really glad you're here. This is family. And and I want to welcome everybody at our Legacy Campus, but also our other campuses, too. Sloan Creek, Richardson, Woodbridge, and Espanol. And a lot of you are online right now, too, uh, somewhere. And we're really glad you are, because we're in this series, week two now, called Future Quest. And we're going to have some cheesy fun in the next weeks with that. But it's also a very important conversation because we're talking about our future. We're talking about the future us. And uh, last week we kicked it off talking about uh, the fact that you and I are actually creating our future, whether we realize it or not that the decisions we're making, the directions we're taking, the steps that we're taking or not taking, the people we're hanging out with, the habits we have, all those things are actually forming the future us and the kind of relationships we have, the kind of character we'll have, the kind of impact we'll have. And we could either drift that. We can either drift toward our future or be intentional about our future. And last week we talked about how God has a preferred future for our life and he invites us to join him in seeing that realized. And so each week We're going to be looking at a different future-building principle, and today our principle—it's a biblical principle—but I'm taking the wording from a book uh, that a guy named Andy Stanley wrote. I read a couple years ago uh, called "The Principle of the Path." Today we're talking about the principle of the path, and the principle of the path. uh, We'll dive into the into the definition of it here in a little bit, but essentially, it's that you and I are going somewhere already. And that you can kind of guess where you're going to go if you look at the path you're on because that path is leading somewhere. Uh, let me illustrate that. So uh, when I was uh, new on staff at Chase Oaks, my first job was doing youth ministry, which I loved. And in working with youth back then, we took our high school students on a ski trip every year. So we were on a, this ski trip and I grew up skiing. And so I was with some of the beginner kids, kids who'd never skied before, and trying to teach them how to ski. Now this story will tell you why I'm a pastor and not a ski instructor. Um, but, uh, so we're, you know, showing them a few things, if you've ever been skied, I don't know if it was, if we said pizza and french fries, if you know what that is, pizza, french fries. Uh, I don't know. But shared a few things, and I should have taught them how to stop. That would have been good, uh, as you'll see in this story. So Jenny, one of those girls, just pretty athletic girl, pretty confident for a little while, um, starts out and she's just going straight down the mountain, straight down the hill. She's going really fast, pretty soon, uncomfortably fast, like out of control fast. And she knows it. And she's starting to freak out and I'm right behind her. I'm saying, Jenny, slow down. She said, I don't know how to slow down. That would have been good. But, I don't know how to slow down. And so she's just going faster and faster. Said, Jenny, fall down. Just fall down. I don't want to fall down. And the more, you know, the faster she's going, just jetting down the hill, the harder it is to fall down, right? And, and so I keep saying, Jenny, you gotta fall down. I don't want to fall down. And by this time, her arms are flailing like this and she's screaming. And, and this was when, uh, terrain parks were brand new. Now, terrain park is, uh, is where you, they have those big jumps and rails and all that you see on TV. And at this particular mountain, they've changed it uh, at the time from these beginner slopes just to the right, uh, and below them was their terrain park with all these jumps. So she's going very fast straight to the terrain park. And actually straight to the big jump in the middle of the terrain park, like the biggest jump. Now, she doesn't want to go there, but you know how when there's just something about us that whatever you focus on with your eyes, your body will tend to want to go there? And that's a sermon in itself, probably. You didn't just pay for that with offering. That's extra. Um, but she's going straight to that, right? And she's just going straight to that jump. And I'm still telling her, Jenny, you got to fall down. I don't want to fall. And so she's, you know, flailing, screaming, all that, going straight to that jump. I mean, I was right behind her. could see it happening. And then sure enough, she goes over that jump. Now, the good news is for a beginner, she got a lot of air. It was. It was really impressive. Um, the bad news was the landing. And I don't even know how she did it, how she kind of was able to get over, uh, because she didn't land on her back. She, she face-planted. She landed on her face. And uh, there was, you know, by the time I got to her, there was equipment everywhere, yard sale all over the place. She'd broken her goggles. She... She had uh, some cuts and, and bruises, and that's so her. There was like blood and snow and all this. And she's getting up. She's really brave. Um, we went to the uh, the little the clinic, the little hospital thing, and she did have to have some stitches. And she would live to it had some bruising, but she'd live to ski another day. But it was funny talking to her. Uh, just she called. we didn't have cell phones back then, so she called on the you know hospital phone. Called her mom and dad. And, uh, and you could tell who's on the, she, her mom answered first and you could just, I couldn't hear that part of the conversation, but you could guess by Jenny's responses, what she's asking. So she's talking to mom and she's like, yeah, mom, I'm okay. I promise I'll be all right. You know, I'm, you know, and uh, thanks for praying for me, mom. And then dad gets on the phone and immediately her, the first thing she says is yes, dad, I gave him the right insurance card. Uh, <laughs> just difference between a mom and a dad, I guess. So Anyway, she did live to ski another day, and, um, but, but it is a picture of the principle of the path because you can just see it coming. I mean, I was right behind her. It was really obvious. All you had to do was just, you know, keep drawing the path out, and you know we're headed toward a face plant, and a lot of times it's so easy to see in other people's lives. You know, you can just see what the decisions are making or the directions they're taking or whatever. You're like, oh, man, I don't, that's, that's not going to end well, and then when it doesn't, you're like, yeah, I could, see that. I could you know, anybody can see that coming. And even if you're the person on that path, even if you kind of been live in denial a little bit about it, because we all kind of do think it'll, things will, uh, yeah, it's probably not best, but it'll be okay. When it doesn't work out okay, you kind of have to admit, yeah, I should have seen that coming. Um, that's the principle of the path. It works both positively and negatively. But the principle of the path is simply this. Direction determines destination. That direction the direction we're taking, the path we're taking is leading somewhere, and it's that overall direction that will, uh, that will determine where we end up. It's not intention determines destination. Everybody's got good intentions, right? Whether it's in your dating life or married life or career or health or whatever it is, everybody's got good intentions. Everybody wants that part of life to end well. They want to get to a good destination. So that's not, that doesn't determine anything. Good intentions. We all have good intentions. Even individual decisions aren't as big a deal in determining our destination as much as our overall direction, our overall path. And, in, in, I mean, direct decisions are important, but we tend to really sweat individual decisions. And sometimes those are big enough that we probably should sweat them, and the Bible gives us some help how to make good decisions. But if you're on a bad path, then It doesn't matter what decision you make, you're not going to end up at a great destination. If you're on a good path, there's probably five or six good decisions you could make, right? It's the principle of the path. The direction determines destination. Let me illustrate it in a couple areas of life. Um, Let's say you have a friend. Because remember how it's easy when you're skiing behind somebody to see it happening? It's easy to see it in somebody else's life. So we'll pick on your friends instead of you. Is that fair enough? Why not? So um, let's say you have a friend who's single and they're dating people, different people, and they really do want to find a great person, a great guy, great girl, somebody who's solid, somebody who's really just good. You know, they they want to find the right person. And yet they come to you for advice because they're having a hard time. They feel like their chooser is messed up because they keep picking the wrong guy, pick, pick, picking the wrong girl. They, uh, they, they're they just like, I don't think there's good people that exist anymore. I think it's impossible. And, all. and, uh, and they're kind of frustrated about that and want your help in, in picking better. And yet you know the path they're on in their dating life. That their path is pretty typical in our, I mean, in our culture, which is pretty much this, that they... They go out on weekends to different clubs, or at night, different clubs, whatever. And, and their main criterion is if if he's cute or she's pretty and wants to go home, then we'll do that and just see where that goes. And you'd be like, I mean, it's pretty obvious hearing that. Look, you'd be like, hey, um, you know, it's not about a broken chooser, right? You're looking in the wrong place. There's no way you'll you'll never get to a good destination if that's your path. Like, That's never going to end up where you want to go. You've got to adjust your path. It's not just a, you know, little problem. It's a path problem. Or let's talk about another area of life. Let's talk about um, finances. And again, we're going to pick on your friends because you do great at finances. You're perfect. But let's say you've got a friend who's, you know, struggles struggles a little bit, and and they come to you for advice about a decision. Because uh, they want to buy another car, they're kind of tired of their car. And should I buy this one or this one? And they really do want to make a good decision, but you know their financial path they're on. So the financial path they're on is a pretty typical American financial path, which is the you know there's money coming in and you and it just goes away. You know it's a consumer culture, so consumer driven. You just buy stuff and and it's like I don't really have much of a plan or you know overall budget, but money comes in and it goes out. I mean I don't know where it goes, but boy does it go and. And and, and the typical American thing is actually we spend more than we make, which means we're getting deeper into debt. And so maybe your friend's response to the debt problem is, I better get a new credit card, right? You know, so I can put some more on that or whatever. And and yet now they're, you know, talking about wisdom in this car. And what what would you want to say? I mean, you'd be nice about it, but you want to say, hey, look, um, it doesn't matter what you do about a car and you don't need another car. Like you need to change your whole approach. You need to change your whole path because this is going to end in a faceplant. Like this is not sustainable. This is not going to end well. You, you you need a new path. We'll do one more area of life. Again, we'll pick on your friend. You got some messed up friends. But uh, let let's say um let's say your friend uh um of oh, parenting. Well, that's that's the one we'll do. So let's say your friend is you know is a parent and wants to raise a great family and have great connection with their kids and as their kids get older and more independent they want to have the kind of home where kids want to hang out and come back around even when they leave uh you know go to college or whatever that they really want to come back and be a family have a really close you know family unit and all that and and that's the kind of family we all want right that's their intention but you just and, and maybe they come to you because they're like hey our kids you know it's that's not happening and, uh, so we're, you know, trying to decide, do we get a pool or just, can we just get a ping pong table? So they want to hang out and, uh, and yet, you know, the parenting style and the way you might define their parenting path is absentee parenting. And maybe as they've been building their, their family. They've also been building their career and they've just made decisions to prioritize career. And they have, they're just not around and never have been around they miss a lot of things. And, and so they say yes to every trip, yes to every late night meeting, yes to every promotion, yes to every, and not really thinking about. And, and then when they are home, they're not home very much. When they are home, they're really stressed out. They're angry. They've got unresolved anger issues from their past that they've never dealt with, that they bring into their home, so they're not very pleasant to be around. And then, and, and so what you want to say is, hey, it's not about a ping pong table. Like, you've got to rebuild something. Like, there's a new path. We, we need a new path. Um, we see this a lot as pastors, because as pastors, people tend to be most motivated to come talk to us when things are not going so well, and they're like, ah, I need perspective, I need help. I mean, they, so they come when things aren't going well, and I mean, why else would you come talk to a pastor? We're not that interesting, right? So, so they come, you know, and which is fine, and we all get at times in life that are like that. And what people typically want is kind of the quick fix. Is man, this is you know, what's going on in my marriage? I need you to fix it. Here's what's going on our finances. And I need you to fix it. When I did youth ministry, parents would bring in their poor 15-year-old kid. And, uh, and their 15-year-old kid was starting to act out and, you know, and having some problems. And so they drag this poor 15-year-old kid into a pastor's office, who last, last place they want to be. So they're not looking. You know, they're looking at the ground, not looking up. And the parents are complaining about all they do is play video games and they won't do anything else. And they're, you know, they're starting to get in trouble and they're just a messed up kid. And wait, you're the youth pastor. We need you to fix our kid. Like, yeah, it doesn't work that way. Um, there's, a, there's a bigger issue, right? It's, it's a, it's a, it, there's a whole new path here that God would have to help us rebuild, right? So it's, that's the principle of the path. And I know this isn't rocket science, like, you know, direction determines destination. You're like, really? Wow, you know? But it's so important and potentially life-changing today because it's an opportunity, if you're open all of us, to think about different areas of our life and say, hey, wait a minute, if I continue down this direction, down this path, where is it ending? And it's a great opportunity to evaluate that and say, man, maybe I need to adjust path. And so today we're going to hear from Jesus, he's a good person to hear from, about how the principle of the path not only works, but how it can work for us. And we're going to do that by going to uh, one of his most famous teachings, his most famous sermon, Uh, It's the longest sermon we have in the Bible. It's multiple chapters in the New Testament uh, called the Sermon on the Mount or Sermon on the Mountain. A lot of people consider this sermon to be the best sermon in history. I know some of you think my sermon last week was the best sermon in history. Uh, But no, mom, uh, you know, I appreciate that. But it's probably the award goes to Jesus. Now, a good sermon is going to have a good introduction. going to tell you what you're going to say, make you want to hear it. And then a a really good conclusion that kind of drives it home. And so we're going to focus on the conclusion. But in the introduction of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus uses this concept as a way of talking about the kind of destination in life that we all want. It's a Greek word. The New Testament originally written in Greek, makarios. So he starts out with this word uh, translated in English, typically blessed. Now, blessed is not a bad way to translate it. We just kind of ruin the word in our culture a little bit. Because like if you look at hashtag blessed, it's a bunch of people taking selfies of themselves in the mirror. And that's not necessarily, that could be good or bad, I don't know, but that's not what blessed is. Okay, so Makarios is the word. And Jesus starts and it's the, it's the Beatitudes people call it. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed so and so. So it's really an invitation to a blessed life, to a Makarios life that Jesus came to bring. Makarios is a What linguists call people who study language, a fat word, meaning it's just got so much meaning, it's hard to translate with one word. So makarios uh, means like happiness, joy, fulfillment, depth, satisfaction, all that rolled up into one, like everything we want in life. It's like rolled up in one. And Jesus came not just to give us a ticket to heaven after we die. He came to increasingly give us a Macarius life as we follow him and put what he teaches in place. Then that leads to in this broken, messed up world that we broke up. He could have left us in the darkness to figure it out for ourselves the hard way. But he didn't. He came to bring us this Macarius life, the kind of destination we all want, the kind of future we all want. And so in the middle of the sermon, he's talking about different areas of life. And then his conclusion. Now again, the conclusion's important. That's what we're gonna focus on. A friend of mine in graduate school for pastors called seminary. That's not where you bury people. It's where you, it's a graduate school for people like, you know, theology and stuff. So we were in school together and he's a pastor of, uh, almost like 100% almost African American church. And he's a really great communicator, really great speaker. And so for him, um, he gets a lot of feedback from his congregation, like, you know, preach it and amen, that kind of stuff. Uh, we, we are a multi-ethnic church, multicultural church on purpose. One of our DNA statements is we're a salad, not a soup. We're trying to learn how to increasingly be a uh, not just a one generation or one culture or one ethnicity church, but a multiple ethnicity church. And, and so some of you come from backgrounds where you're comfortable giving that kind of verbal feedback. And, man, give it. Uh, that'd be great as a pastor. That's always a cool thing. Um, but he knows in his, when he preaches, when the congregation's kind of ready for him to end it, because people start saying things like this, bring it home, pastor, bring it home or, uh, Lord help him land the plane, you know, that kind of thing. And, um, now he can bring it. He's a really good communicator. So when he brings it home, he really brings it home, and that's what you want to do in a conclusion. You want to bring the point home, and that's what Jesus does, and he does it really well. He shares the basic principle and then illustrates it with a story. Now this story is one that you're familiar with, likely if you grew up in church or Sunday school. It's about the wise man who built his house on the rock, you might know what I'm talking about? The foolish man who built his house on the sand. If you grew up in Sunday school, there was even a song attached to it. We can sing it together. If you know the wise man built his house upon the right. Yeah, not that good. I'll just stop. Um, it's not that great a song. Um, so if you didn't grow up in church, you're like, I I don't think i missed much. I don't know, but uh, you probably did. But anyway, that's the song. Here's the story. Okay. So he starts out, therefore everyone, I mean, this is open to everybody. Okay. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, and then he's going to tell his story. And that's really the point of what he's talking about. He came to bring this better life, this Makarios life, and he he points the way to it. We can choose to follow him toward that better way. We can choose to submit to, I mean, he's revealed, uh, we have it right here, he's revealed what leads to the kind of marriage we want, kind of career we want, kind of character we want, kind of whatever, you name it. Um, he's given us that. We can either blow it off, be like, no, nah, I just want to do what I want to do, or We can be wise enough to submit to it and put those things into practice and say, no, I'm going to, I'm going to walk down that path that he revealed. That's our choice. So he compares two kinds of people with that choice, right? There's a good choice and a bad choice, a wise choice and a foolish choice. He said, so therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat Come on, buddy. Uh, Beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. So we got the principle, and then the story two different people, two very different results, right? So you have the foolish man and the wise man. But. It's always kind of fun I think to play a game with this passage and that is same and different game. So what's the same? What's different? So let's just talk about that think about that a little bit. With these two stories, the wise man and the foolish man, what's the same? Like how are they the same? Just shout it out. Yeah, they're both built a house, right? They're both they both have the same good intention. They want a house that lasts. Uh, they both built a house. They both want the same goal. Uh, they have the same intention, same desire, same desired future, same goal, right? That's exactly the same. But then they're very different. And how are they different? Well, they're different because they go about it two very different ways. They both want to achieve the same thing. But one person, right, builds their house on top of the sand. One person builds it, uh, you know, where you'd build these pilings all the way down to bedrock. And people 2,000 years ago listening to Jesus would, would understand the choice. They would understand the difference, because if you've ever been over to Israel, we do that every few years as a church. And so think about that um, coming sometime. But it's rocky, deserty soil. And you look at it and you wonder, I wonder if it ever rains. But then when it does rain, like it did on our last trip a couple of years ago, we went. They had all these flash floods because that that sandy soil doesn't really absorb water like ours does. And it just, you have these massive flash floods. So everybody listening to Jesus 2,000 years ago would understand the choice to either just build it right on the sand and hope for the best or do it the right way, the slow way, the more expensive way of building it all the way down to bedrock. And here's something important to understand about the principle of the path. Is that you can go a long way down the path, whether you do it the right way or a foolish way, And feel pretty good about it either way. In fact, for a while, I mean, the the storm eventually comes, but but for a while, it's hard to know who's the wise person and who's the not so wise person. In fact, the wise person can feel like the dummy when you're going down a good path and doing it the harder way, the more difficult way, even though you know it's best. You can actually wonder, start to wonder if this is even paying off. I mean, think about that, right? Both people building houses, if they were right together, he would look at, you know, the, the rock guy would look at his neighbor just building on the sand, and his house would already be done. In fact, he's way earlier than him, and he's got a lot more money. So he's out there, you know, doing barbecues, uh, you know, doing like T-bone steak barbecues for his friends, and out on the deck, and I'm still building my house, and I can't afford T-bone steaks, because I have to put all these pilings in, and all this kind of stuff. Who's the dummy? But then... You know, the rains do come, but for a while, it's hard to know. Uh, Proverbs talks about that. Proverbs is a book in the Bible that I I would say the big theme is really the principle of the path. But in Proverbs 14, it says there is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. Meaning for a while, it's hard to know until you reach the destination. And in fact, uh, in our culture, we're taught to do what seems right. Right. I mean, we we've been taught it's just part of our culture that truth is not outside of myself to be found and yield to and all that. It truth is what is inside. Like if it feels right, if that's what you think is right, well, good, that's you should do that. You should be true to yourself and and do what you think and do, you know, that and th- that all sounds great. Unless you draw the line out and realize, oh, that could end in a face plant. Not every path is equal in terms of its destination, I mean, there's a path that seems right, but it's not going to end well. Well, of course, you see that in a story because we know how it ends. Right? The flash flood does come. The rains do come. Two very different results. So the, the, guy, the rock guy, um, his house stands. Now, why does his house stand and the other person not? Well, because he's so lucky. Because God just loves him more. Because things never work out for me like that, but they always work out for other people like that. Because life's unfair. And then the, then is that it? And the answer is no. But, and then, um, then the other guy, right? The sand guy, opposite results, crash, everything gone. Why? Because God doesn't love him as much. Because life is unlucky for him. Because things never work out well for him. It always works out well for other people because life is so unfair. That's not why. was any of that. It's just the principle of the path. Works for everybody. If you choose to go down a path of wisdom, things are likely going to turn out a lot better than if you go down a path of foolishness. Again, it just works for everybody. Direction determines destination in any area of life. Another way to talk about the principle of the path is, uh, is another phrase, and that is play out the movie. If you think of your life as a movie, think about different areas of your life and just play out the movie. Like, where is it headed? Because, you know, like when you go see a movie, how it's often really obvious, even though it's not obvious to the character what's about to happen because of something they've done or whatever, but it's obvious to you. You can see where this is headed. And, and sometimes it's so obvious that you just can't help but become a movie talker, you know, and just try to talk to the person as if they're going to say, oh, thank you, you know. Uh, and... Um, And I don't know if you've ever been to movies with movie talkers. Uh, We have a movie talker in our family. I won't say who it is. It's not me, but. um, And, uh, you know, just, you know, like maybe it's a, a romantic kind of movie where. Uh, he or she's, you know, trusting this person. It's actually a really bad person, but they don't know because they're love blind, and so they, you know, trust this person. And, and you just you just want to say, no, don't do that. That's a bad person. It's going to end up badly. Or or maybe it's a scary movie and this girl is home alone and there's a noise in the basement and what she do? They always go in the basement right to find out. And you're like, no, don't do that. Like, go away. Like, you know, drive away. Go call 911. Don't you know? Do... you just want to do that because you can you can see where it's headed. Well, in your own life, do that. Just just play out the movie. I mean, just pick an area of life. And probably some, you'd say, that's a pretty good movie. Others, are other areas like, you know what? If I keep doing my personal health like this, or my relationships like this, or my dating like this, my marriage like this, my parenting like this, my career like this, my spiritual growth like this, I mean, different paths of life, um, I may have a path problem. Or... Maybe I need to be encouraged to keep going down that path. In fact, let's just think about that a little bit. So some of you, as you think about different areas of life, you'd be like, you know what? I feel like I'm on a really good path right now. Like maybe you're recently on a good path or maybe you've been on a good path for a while. But the problem, like we know in the story, is you can go down a long way, even a good path, and wonder if this is even going to pay off, if it's really worth it. Right? I mean... uh, like, let's say we use finance as an example. The Bible gives us, gives us a great path for finances. Whether you're a Jesus follower or not, whether you choose to be generous to church or not, that doesn't matter as much. As it, I mean, it's true for everybody. And so what the Bible says is, hey, don't, don't be consumption driven. Be generosity driven. It says to not live on all that you make or less than you make. Um, or excuse me, don't live on more than you make. Like, don't go into debt. Don't even live on what you make. Instead, choose to live on less than you make so that you can be generous. You can set aside a percentage to give. You can be wise enough to save for the future. Um, And then you live on the rest. That's a good path. That's going to end at a good result. It's hard to argue with that, except when you're when you begin to go down that road, it can feel like a bummer. And you're wondering if it really pays off because now you're doing this and you're managing money that way. But your friends who you think, well, they have to make about the same amount of money as I do. They're, like, getting a new kitchen. And you're going back home to your autumn gold formica, you know, whatever. And, or, you know, they're, they're going to vacation, and they're going to Paris, and you're going to Waxahachie. And you're like, man, you know, see that thing that doesn't work anymore. Well, I, I don't know. But, and, or, you know, they're getting a new Beamer, and, and you're getting a 2007 Corolla, you know, and you're like, eh and but again just just play the movie out like you know where where's it headed because your direction will determine destination and some of you are have made some changes in your life that hey you were kind of in the party thing and all that and that was kind of fun and now you're really trying to follow Jesus and build but and, and it's great going to bible studies and stuff but your friends come back and they're like oh man you can't believe what we did and you're just in that mode of like it still sounds a little fun, and, 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 uh, and the Bible says great, but you know, and, and you're know, kind of in that mode. And again, it's just think about where it's headed. And, and what Paul said in Galatians, we'll actually be in this passage next week, is, hey, don't, don't get tired of doing the right thing because it really will pay off. Don't, don't get tired. Don't grow weary in well-doing, it says. But don't grow tired of doing the right thing because it really, really will pay off. I mean, Dr. King is a great example of that. We, we celebrate Martin Luther King Day. He chose an, an incredibly difficult path in the civil rights movement in the face of injustice. He wasn't just going to shrink back. He took a stand and he made it uncomfortable. That was his. I mean, that's we all got. That's good. But the way he did it, he chose to do it a Jesus way to be strong, but at the same time loving in the face of hate, to pray for his enemies, to do good to those who harm you, to. Right. He took the high road. I can't imagine how I, I could have done it. I have no idea. I mean, I'm sure God helped him, obviously, but how he was able to just keep taking the high road, keep taking the high road in the face of injustice. I, amazing. But because he stayed on that path, we celebrate his legacy. And he took the ball. You know, he made a lot of progress. It's not like the game is over. You know, like we're still like that kind of injustice and inequality and all that. We're still trying to figure all that out. And but he was able to take the ball down the field because of a commitment to a really hard path. But it was the right path. Others of you, when you look at, at your life right now in some area of life, you're honest, you'd be like, you know what? I am I need I'm not on the right path. I mean, I, I know that I I've kind of living in denial But if I keep going down this path, it's probably not going to end well. Like I know I need whatever area of life, whether it's finances or the way you do dating or your marriage or whatever it is, your career, your ethics. Be like, man, I'm not on a good path. I need to, you know, either adjust my path or this is not going to end well. And if you're early in that that's the time, that's the best time to change paths as soon as possible. Just like Ginny going fast. It's one thing at the beginning to say, Ginny, fall down so you can change paths. But once she's going 90 miles an hour, that's a lot harder. And so the sooner the better. To just say, I need to adjust my path. And some of you might think, I don't even know what the right path is. I just know I'm not on it. Well, Jesus came to bring it. So you can choose to follow him. Begin a relationship with him. Today would be great to do that. Begin to follow him. If you've already done that, I mean, he's revealed it. And get in a group of people who are trying to build their life around what Jesus teaches, His better way, and that'll help you become wise and help you be on a good path in that area of life and be authentic and honest with it. And make that change. Some of you may be at a place where you're pretty far down the, a bad path and you're seeing results, and it's not you're scared, like in in your marriage, your kids, your career, your whatever it is. You're, it's and. What we want when we get there is a quick fix. But a quick fix isn't going to solve the problem. Like a little bit more money down a bad financial path is not going to help. A little bit more advice down a bad marriage path isn't really going to help. It, it's a change of direction. And to just be humble enough to say, you know what, I'm going to, I need to change direction. And, I, and as a church, there's a lot of help uh, available to help change direction in different areas of life. But make the bold choice. And others of you may be at a place where you've crashed. Like you've just done the faceplant, Or you're in the air and you're seeing it coming. You're in crash mode. Your marriage feels just like crashed. Or your home life crashed. Your reputation crashed. Your health crashed. Your whatever area of life just crashed. And when you're in that mode, when you're in crash mode, it can feel like that's, the end of, that, that's, that's your destination permanently, like I'm just crashed. But that's not the end of your destination permanently. That's the end of that path. Your path that you're on in that area of life predictably led to a crash. But that's not the end or doesn't have to be because God would love to help you pick up the pieces and begin to rebuild. And there's no easy fix. There's no thing, you know, quick turnaround typically to a crash. But can a marriage, a crash marriage be rebuilt? Yes. Can a crash reputation be rebuilt? Yes. Can a crash career be rebuilt? Yes. A crash family life be rebuilt? Oh yeah. We see it all the time at church. I mean, that's what God does. He's a rebuilder. He's a restorer. He will help you do it. In fact, He's so committed to it. He's so good at it. If you follow Him after a crash into rebuilding a better, a, a new future, going down a new path, He will make, He will make your house or your destiny. He will make it better than if you never crashed in the first place. Because that's what God does. He's a redeemer. He's a rebuilder. He's a restorer. Your life's not over. It can be way better than if you'd ever crashed in the first place. That's just the way God is. That's the way he works. That's what he wants to do. So wherever we're at, we're about to go to God and talk to him about it. But our point today is direction determines Destination. It's the principle of the path, and it just works every time. I mean, it's a principle, and we're all headed somewhere. and And you may need to hear the encouragement, man. Don't grow weary of a good path. It'll pay off. Or you may need to say, you know what? I need to be honest enough to adjust path. So with that thought, let's go to God in prayer. In prayer, like I always say, if you you may not know this, if you're new, but it's just talking to God. In our own words and heart, he, he just wants us to be authentic with him. You don't have to be flowery or fancy or impressive. He doesn't like it anyway. Just, just be real. And in your heart, as you think about this, just ask God, God, what do you want to say to me in different areas of my life? Is there an area where you either need to hear your encouragement, keep going down a good path, or I need to hear you say, you know what? Be smart enough to get on a better path. And then let me encourage you just to ask God to help you go down that path. And make whatever adjustments you need to make or encouragements that you need to continue. This may be an opportunity for you to say, God, I want to just follow you in general. I want to begin a relationship with you. I want to become a Jesus follower. I want to follow you and live for your better way and live for your purposes and allow you to change me from the inside out. Not just change my behavior, but begin to change my everything on the journey. And God will do that. That's what it means to begin a relationship with him. And on behalf of all of us, let me pray. Father, thank you that you really want a makarios, happy, blessed, fulfilled, significant, joyful life for us. And in this messed up, broken world, that can be hard to find. And so, Father, pray that you would help us to go down your better way, to follow you to the better future that you have for us. And we thank you that you're always willing to empower us when we do that. In Jesus' name, amen.